All right, everybody, before we get started, I've got an announcement to make, um, and we uh, did a little prelude to it in Mondays. I'm going to be honest, we totally forgot to mention this on Friday. I apologize for that. We are actually moving all of the podcast episodes to 11 a.m. We're moving them to 11 a.m. Now, if you listen on audio, on Spotify or whatever, that doesn't really concern you. But for those of you watching on Facebook, on YouTube, on Rumble, that may affect you. But we're, we're moving it. So be sure to mark your calendars, turn on your notifications, subscribe, hit the bell, comment, like, whatever you need to do. But keep an eye out Mondays and Fridays, 11 a.m. This podcast is going to be coming to you. So now on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Zelensky is back and for no good reason. Uh, the White House and the State Departments are in chaos. The UK thinks they can determine when life begins or ends. Nothing new, but this is ridiculous. And transitions. What's it mean for you and me? All this and more on this week's Self-Evident Podcast. And we're back on Here a Monday. We go. On a Monday. It's a Monday. It's been one of those heavy days today because when you look at stories like we're about to read here, it just set me in a weird mood. I I didn't want to catch you off guard. That's why. I, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I no. It was, sure it's, I get it. Read. I get it. But hey, let's get into it. So welcome. It's Monday. Uh, wake up, stink. I mean, it's probably what time. I don't even know what time it is right now. But look forward to some changes on our times when we go live. Or I'm sorry, when we do our posts. Um, 11 a.m. is when we're going to start posting all of our podcasts. It's close enough to lunch. The, the morning's pretty saturated, so we're trying to do it to where everybody can watch it in some sense or form. Okay? So watch out for that. We're going to start running these at 11 very soon here. So, guys, let's start with our first story. Zelensky's back in the media because we can't get enough of Zelensky. I mean, let's take our attention off what's going on with Israel and Hamas and the whole thing. Right? So Zelensky argues that just not a great, that just not a great time for elections. He's saying this just isn't a really good time right now for elections and that we just have to... Yeah. Isn't doesn't that make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside when your elected person whose election is coming up and their term is ending goes, Yeah, just not a good time. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. Not great. What's so crazy about that too is this is what makes it so dumb. <laughs> I just love what you said. <laughs> Pay attention, Americans, because this is the kind of stuff they want to happen in America. Absolutely. Suspending elections. Something bad's gonna happen to suspend elections. You know what I mean? So they're going to say, well, we just can't because nobody can get out and vote. And blah, blah, we're, blah, blah. we're in the middle of a war and we just can't do that. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. It's wartime executive orders and we have to suspend things uh, completely against the Constitution. So hopefully we're smart enough for that. But Zelensky argued that since Ukraine is in the middle of a war, the elections that are uh, supposed to occur in March probably wouldn't be a good thing. He says it's not the right time for elections. It's actually a perfect time for elections yeah. so people can vote as Never mind. Out. Uh, and finally, the waves of any political divisive, uh, divisive things must stop, he said Monday. We must realize that now is the time of defense, the time of the battle that determines the fate of the state and of the people, not the time of manipulations, because that's not what you're doing, which only Russia expects from Ukraine. I believe that now is not the right time for elections, so says the dictator. Uh, and if we... If we need to put an end to political dispute, and we need to put an end to political dispute and connect to work in unity, says El Dictator. Uh, and these are structures in the state that are capable of putting to an end to it and give society all the necessary answers. Y yes, sir. Yes, sir. You will give us the answers, sir, dictator, sir. So that there's no room left for conflicts and someone else's game against Ukraine. Beside the word salad that I don't think he knows what he's talking about, basically, let's give you the answers. You don't need to worry about the answer because Russia may manipulate things, and that includes the election. So let's just give you the answer that I'm supposed mm. to be in charge. That's all we need mm. to do. And one of the biggest reason why I picked this out is, like Massey said, Go, Americans, baby. pay attention. Pay attention. 
if any of you wants to say they would never do that, that would never happen. Yeah. Let's go back five years. And you were probably the same one saying, oh, they would never shut down the economy. They, they would never tell businesses they have to close. Oh, funny. <laughs> they did just that yeah. <laughs> under the guise of crisis. And we can't, we, yeah. we, How, uh, we can't allow you to be at risk. How quickly before we're embroiled in some war? And they said, well, by the risk of manipulation of China and Russia. China. China. Which they already tried to do of saying Russia manipulated the election and that's why Trump got in. Now, I, I would not be surprised. I'm not making a prophetic prediction, but I would not be surprised if on this election at some point they go, well, we really can't trust that China and Russia won't manipulate the election. So we're just going to suspend it for a little while. China. It's China. Well, I think, too, this is where you have to start paying attention, dude. When one guy is the voice saying, we need to stop, I'll give you the answers, it's manipulation. It's called a dictatorship. Yeah. It's a, just straight up, don't worry, I'm here to help you. That is literally what Hitler did. That's literally every great dictator, the Caesars of past times that were corrupt. Uh, any, any. I, I promise you, Napoleon probably did it, you know, in leading his... I have the, just follow me. And I'm not saying, dude, we're all in that corruption. All of us have that ability to do it. Uh, if you're, if you could be a corrupt pastor and do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't tell your people to read the word. I'll do it for you. The Catholics did it during Martin Luther's time. So you see all these things, just be careful. And, and dude, he's a prime example. We, yeah. How many billions have we fed this country oh, that funneled dude, somehow to, I, and, and then the thing, anyway. There's it, no accountability on this guy. I'll, always saying. be aware of some. Uh, probably Dude, that's the question. Who's holding this guy accountable? Nobody. Who's he accountable he's, to? He's shut down any critical media. He's. I don't know if it, remember we covered they were looking to ban an entire church organization because some of the people might be for Russia. You know, like this is a dictatorship, and America has been throwing their Ukrainian flag <laughs> filters on Facebook. Going, freedom, because Putin's a dictator. Okay, so you traded one for the other. That's exactly it. Great job. Great job, dummies. <laughs> We're just, just going to abuse you today. No, I'm serious. It's it's true. Do your own stinking homework. Don't just believe what the media says. That's How many times have we said that? I get yep. actually tired of saying it. Number two, mm -hmm. White House and State Department, they be in chaos. Because, uh, in chaos. In chaos. <laughs> They're in chaos. There seems to be angry memos and arguments boiling over in the White House and the State Department on how the Biden administration is handling the Israel-Gaza war. Circulating memos and hundreds of signatures believe that the Biden administration needs to call for a ceasefire in Israel and for the Biden administration to publicly criticize Israel where necessary. I thought this was good to point out that don't always believe that there's just unanimous agreement on something and even in the white house and the state department there's a massive rift that's pulling apart and we've seen this massive pro-palestinian gaza support machine parading and and protesting and doing sit-ins and they seem to be well oiled and causing a lot of havoc and plenty of these people are in positions within the State Department and the White House and all of that. And I think it's only going to get worse. And I'm curious what Biden does of whether Biden will actually concede kind of backtrack to backtrack and yeah. yeah, concede to the progressives, or is he going to stay the line of what we've always been? Uh, and one of the things, if you heard Friday's podcast when 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 we were talking, uh, who was it? The guy um, uh, Kirby John Kirby Kirby, Kirby fires yeah. back and basically says. Did y'all forget a month ago when Hamas came against and attacked? And that's what happens is they all start talking about Palestine and apartheid. A bunch of these young college progressive kids who have never been to Palestine in their lives. They have no idea what this conflict's about. They have never, they've never talked to a Jewish person in their life, it seems like, to understand anything. They don't know anything, and they're just hearing talking points. And so they keep regurgitating the same bull crap that they hear all the time. To me, conflicts arise. Um, we should stay out of them. You know, especially, and a lot of people disagree with me on this, you know, like the military should support Israel. No, I think we as a people should support Israel because that's what the Bible says to do. But for America, the government, I challenge it. I challenge it because that's not what our duty was. Our duty as Americans was supposed to stay neutral 
uh, an aid when things were going bad, not be in treaties with people and alliances like this. It's, it's only created more conflict for us, uh, and it pulled us into wars, and now it's created the UN and all these other things that we've submitted and aligned ourselves to, which we never should have. Our Constitution is so not for it. So you're seeing all these things. I think America should be helping Israel because that's what God says to do. But as far as its government, the government can't even tie its own shoes, and that's what got us into all these conflicts and mess. And now we have universities that have been literally against God's people. They're literally now... This is just as bad. I mean, if you think about the sentiment that's against the Jewish nation right now in colleges, just think Germany, dude. It's it's bad. Like, Did, Israel's bad now for occupying, but it's been their land for, you know what I mean? It just And, and Jews are now evil, awful people. Isn't that like, crazy? Like, no matter where they live, now there's this massive revolt against Jews. And it's so crazy to watch of, like, this is a global, like, on the pathway to Kristallnacht type energy, yet you've been pointing the finger at Christian conservatives the whole time about, oh, you're, you're anti-Semites and, you know, you're Nazis and all of that. What about the Jews? Well, besides <laughs> that, you right. know? Right, right, right. And, and they, the ADL is super left-wing, but then the left wing is sliding right up next to the Palestinians and bro, Hamas, bro. And like, well, you know, those Jews—they are evil Which people. It's funny. There's a there's a there's a large sect of Jewish people who are Democrat, who are left, right? And now the left is coming against you as a Jew. When just what two years ago, when those uh, mosques or mosques, uh, synagogues were getting uh, hit, right? Right. It was all, oh my gosh, anti-Semitism and there white was a, supremacists. There was a whole Jews. thing about anti-Semitism and all these other yeah. things. And and Ben Shapiro actually talked about, um, he he was a target of most the most anti-Semitic stuff. Yeah, I think he was number one target. Yeah, you know. And it's like you look at that and you go, dude, the spirit of death, the spirit of death has always been there, and now it's cloaked in free Palestine. Yes. So this will prove to you something. Hitler didn't come out and say it was the Jews that were bad. He cloaked it in something. They've hurt the German people. They've taken over the German people. They've stolen from the German people. Therefore, they're bad people. That's exactly how this starts. You, if you come out and say Jews are bad, which we're against that, there nobody's really fall for it. But when you cloak it in something else, you become and you make them the enemy and the target. That's that whole oppressor oppressed idea. Yep. Yep. Is yep, yep who yep. are the you can, you can, when you hear the messaging, especially from the left, you've got to see it through their lens, and their lens is power, oppressed, oppressor. So, so what's, what's yeah. exactly what's the whole language being done in this? The Palestinians are an oppressed people who are fighting back. They're they're martyrs for their freedom and their liberty. So the whole discussion gets put into that arena of. Well, are the Palestinians right to defend their liberty against those evil, awful Israelis? When in reality, what's going on is the Israelis have tried to keep them from destroying them. And and somebody pointed this out. I don't, I don't remember who it was, but they pointed out, you keep talking about genocide, but you won't talk about the genocide that the Palestinians have overtly professed of cleansing the land of the Jews. That's right. We won't talk about that genocide, but you get all up in arms about what's going on in Gaza right now. At least the ideology of genocide, right. for sure. At some point, the Israelis are saying, okay, I'm done. Sure. You, you will never coexist with me. You sure. will never allow me to be here. You want my demise. I'm going to wipe you out before you wipe me out. And to you, all you lemmings that are on either side of this battle here, you're just being distracted from what's happening in America. You're not there. That's right. not your nation. Right. You're not even there. And you're fighting for something you have no idea about. You've never even probably touched boots on the ground there. Most of these kids. Most of these people. You're focusing on something that does not belong here. This is America for crying. We're a different country. And we've got kids on the streets. We got people on the streets. We got drug, and we're supplying them the drugs now. And we're supplying them garbage cans for their needles because a drug is going to go. Yeah, let me put that in the garbage. They're all over right. the freaking streets. I mean, this is so dumb. And you're being distracted by what's happening here in America with all of our elections and bullcrap and all the stuff that our government is doing. They're distracting you constantly. Keep being a lemming. There almost comes a point where it's like you're you're almost in a sense. 
walking to your own demise. You just are. You're wasting your time. What is your little college voice going to say to the Palestinians or the Israelis to stop? Right? At this point, they couldn't even talk each other into stopping. So now it's bombs. Let them, let them have at it. Yeah. That's what you do. Listen, if their words, their words did not work, what are you, what, what you going to do? You nerd who can't even get a job because you're in social, what do they call it, sociology degree, and you're talking about Palestine? What are you, seriously, think about your influence right now. You can affect your neighbor, but what are you going to do for them? Their words didn't even work, so now they're at bombs. They're at war. They attacked each other. Okay. Yep. Let it's them on. fight it out. Now, now, now it's a Duke fest. Yep. It's going to get brutal. It's going to get nasty. It already has, because but I, you, you are not going right. to stop them. Because obviously our involvement didn't stop it. No. It only perpetuated it because of our president. Gosh, this is so ridiculous, man. It's almost like, oh, that guy's in the White House. We can do what we want now. Ain't nobody going to stop really those what the really? world said, dude. Yep. It's was, like, that dude, pff, done. What are they going to do? What's he going to do? He'll be asleep anyways. We are a laughing stock we really across are. the world. We really are. Anarchy. I will say with Trump, there were existing wars already, which I wish more would have stopped. But what? There was no new war right. that was under his watch that he was uh, actively involved in or whatever. You know, it's like other countries will do what they do. And it's like, gosh, you could at least say that, man. This dude was no joke. I'm going to go to North Korea and shake the dude's hand. That's insane. Dude crosses the, the DMZ and shakes hands with Kim Jong-un. It's like, oh, all right, well, I, I've got six billion. What you got? Get out of here. You know what I mean? I'm a billionaire. Get out of here, dude. What are you doing? Hey, man, I put my pants on the same way. Actually, we probably get them at the same tailor. Shut up, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to cross that line. What you going to do? Right. What you going right. to do? What are you going to do to me? Right? And so, like, he has this thing about him that's, like, no nonsense. Yeah. He'd go right to Zelensky and the other guy and say, look, stop. This, the, the, we don't need this right now. Remember when he went to NATO and he, he's sitting at the table with all these NATO people <laughs> and he flat out tells every one of them, like, we've been paying your way the whole time. Like, all you are freeloading. It's time you guys start. Otherwise, we're pulling our funding. And you saw all of these politicians' heads explode. Like these these Western European people, like oh, what? He can't say that. It's like no, I oh just yeah, did. he just did, he and did. he meant it, dude. Yeah, and he'll do it, and you know it. <laughs> In some sense, people are right. He's a little he's a little off his rocker, but boy, he's good. I mean, yeah, he's good. There's one point where he he leans over to Putin, and he says it's something to the effect of, "If you attack us, I'll nuke the s out of <laughs> Moscow." Mad respect. Bro, my dog. <laughs> Dude, my dog. it's so crazy. But it's like, don't, you know, and again, it's like, Lord, where are you at in all that, right? But it's just so crazy to watch where it's like, don't mess with us. Yeah. Like, hey, we're dormant. Leave us alone. We're just trying to do some trading and, and, and to get, you know, we got a lot to reform. If you remember, Trump was bringing back businesses from foreign uh, back into the States. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of things happening under that dude's watch. You could say, dang, okay. Now he was all he was he was about the economy. He was about prospering. There's way more to America than that, and we all focused on the prospering side, which really sucks. It shows us where our, where our mind is at. Good point. But you could say none of this probably, or at least a minimal of this, would be happening under oh. his watch. And, and you know people I mean? have pointed out when Obama was in office, Russia invaded Crimea. Trump's in office, nothing happens. As soon as Biden gets in office, yeah. Russia invades yeah. Ukraine. Russia's like. Yeah. It's, it, uh, so so you're telling me. You can see, see the warmongers go, excellent. 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 We're, we're, you're telling me Putin was such good friends with Trump that Putin goes, I'll wait. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? There was so much collusion yes. that when Trump got out of office, then he decides I'll, to go. I'll make you look good. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> Biden gets it. Here we go. You know, so like, stupid. Dude, I'm telling you, there's the there's the World Economic Forum. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Biden got elected. Eggs. <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed Klaus Schwab is not, you know, like, we have to wait for Trump to get in office. <laughs> he will bring forth our plans. No. Anyways, Anyways. on to the newbie. Time to put the UK on blast. This one's gonna. This one's gonna bother you. This I, one's really gonna bother you. 
I have a I had a hard time. I had to read the article a couple of times to go through it, and I had a hard time with this one. And it it so infuriates me. And I'm going to tell you this: if you want to reach out to the UK government, go ahead, put them on blast. Um, yeah, for some reason we could talk about Palestine, but not this crap. Right. So once again, hear those two words. Once again. A judge in the UK is ordering that a baby be taken off of life support despite the parents pleading to be able to go to another country to seek care. Americans pay very close attention. Indy Gregory is eight months old and has a mitochondrial disease which makes it difficult for her body to turn sugar into energy. Italy agreed to take the child to a children's hospital in Rome and agreed to pay all the expenses. Right there, stop. The UK should have said, do what you need to do. We, uh, the UK ahead. should never have to be involved in this decision. Right. Like, oh, I continue. Italy has gone as far as giving the girl Italian citizenship, and the prime minister has said she'd do all in her power to help Indy. I say Italy should take the UK to court with accusations that they're about to kill an Italian citizen. I really think that should, this should be a world issue. Yeah. Italy, you should throw the book at the UK on this. Truth. Because they're, they're attacking the life of an Italian citizen. So the doctors in the UK argue that treatment shouldn't continue, and the judge agreed, saying that bringing the daughter to Italy would not be in her best interest. Yes, because death by lack of care would be. That would be in her best interest. And this is where we were just talking about the last podcast. We've now, countries abroad, have made it legal to sin. Now the judge can take in his own hand the ability to kill a person. That it's in the best interest of who, bro? Of who? Of who? Who are you to determine what is in the best interest of anybody? Some of the most compassionate things have come out of people that are, of, 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 of suffering. You know, I was thinking about Down syndrome and, and like how much that that is downplayed. And some of the most happiest, great people are those with Down syndrome. And you look at this little person, Indy Gregory, who's on life support, who parents are saying, look, there's an option here. We can get because that's what medicine is for, to make sure someone is curable or healed or something. That's. Isn't that what the medical profession is about? Well, not anymore, right? Because now it's about drugs and killing you and making you a lifelong patient. But now we have a judge saying this is possible. We can actually determine when life begins or ends. I'm telling you, I've said that from day one. Ohio is the first one of those barometers. If the government can determine when life begins, they will eventually determine when life ends because they're going to say the same thing here. It's in the best interest of everybody to kill your parents because they're just old and they're actually leeches on society. We don't have the money to take care of them anymore, so we just got to kill the old people. And that's what's happening here. Now the judge is saying, I know what's best for this little girl. You're not in that little girl's life. It's a little girl, am I right, yes. Andy? Yes, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you're not in this person's life. You're not, you're, you're not, have you talked to the parents? Have you even heard them? A, person, a parent is doing everything. Now, to you abortionists who say those who really want to choose to keep their kids should be able to keep their kids, that's what the abortionists say, why aren't you fighting on behalf of these parents saying, you know what, they want to protect that life because that's what we're for, right? You know, they should be able to choose if they don't want it, right? Yeah. But if they do, let them take care of it. Now they can't because the judge is saying this. See, you see, what, you see how bad and twisted and um, on shaky ground sin becomes? Like you can't even plant your feet when sin is in the, in the picture. You can't because you're supposed to be for rights, reproductive rights. They chose to keep this child. The child's on life support. Now the judge is saying to them, no, you can't keep your child. I thought this was about choice here. I thought you could choose. Where are the abortionists on this? If you're totally for your cause, why aren't you crying out against this here? The judge has no business. If they want to keep that child alive, that's none of your daggum business. Could you imagine a judge looking you in the eyes and saying... <clears throat> I'm not going to allow you to do everything you can to keep your child alive. I am going to decide that your child can die. And furthermore, I, and I'm getting this from a Catholic news agency because this, this podcast is going to come out on Monday. Originally, it was, the, the child was supposed to be taken off life support on Thursday. A, a new court order stayed that to hear an appeal by the parents in a next higher court. That appeal is happening today. We're recording Friday. 
Um, so if there's some way for us to give an update, we'll try. We um, but the judge's order stated that the life support must be removed at the hospital or at a hospice and not at the child's home, citing a need for clinical treatment of the highest quality carried out in a safe and sustainable setting. There's so much I want to say. You should, dude. And and you know what? We we, we can. All right. I got permission from my boss. To the judge. Screw you. You are an evil human being. For you to sit there and stare into the face of the parents and tell them not only that they must kill their child when there is an opportunity for them to try and save that child's life, but you've decided... That by quality of life, because somehow you're an expert on the outcomes of it, that they should not pursue every avenue for their own children. Then you tell them they're not even allowed to bring the child home to die in their arms. That they have to do it in a sterile setting of a hospital or a hospice. That you've decided that the highest quality of treatment must be in one of those places because it matters. Because that matters so much. That's like the alcohol swab on the arm before you give the lethal injection. Who's that for? Screw you, judge. Exactly and I right. hope the higher court... That's right. Our prayers right now, I pray that the higher court will see the absolute ludicrous nature of a ruling like this and will say, we'll give, which you shouldn't even have this responsibility, but since you've decided you have it, we'll give the availability to the parents to do what they feel they must and go to Rome. And maybe the child will die in Rome, but at least the parents can go the rest of their lives knowing that they did everything possible to save their child's life, that they loved their child that much, that they would go to the ends of the earth. This happened in the UK back in 2018 with a kid named Alfie Evans. You want to look up another heartbreaking story. They pulled the plug on Alfie Evans. The parents were giving mouth to mouth to keep the child alive after they pulled the plug. The nurses were watching. Special place in hell. All right? Like, I, I... And yeah, I'm a parent, so I look at this and I see, what would I do in this situation? Because that's what Jesus would do. Right, pull the plug. Instead of like heal them. Yeah. He would just say, yeah, let them, make sure that the the judges decide when they, the life. Do you hear this, Christian? Do you hear this? This is why we get so adamant about this. This is why I don't care when the left says, you Christians shouldn't be involved in politics, separation of church and state. Yeah, this because, is what happens. Because, because you're going to act like Christ, right? You're going to be the ones that act like Jesus to protect people. You're going to make sure... You're going to make sure that everyone is protected equally under the law. That's exactly what's going to happen. Dude, I don't agree with abortionists, transgenders, gays. I don't agree with what government does. I'm not after their death. I'm after their redemption and soul. This is why we need to be involved in politics. And, and if you had any sense of history, you would blow that stupid argument of separation of church and state out of the water. If you had any semblance of history, you would understand that that, that that is such a stupid thing to even debate, that you would trust a judge over the history of America and the, the writings of the founders. It's stupid. And this is why we get so adamant about this, because now you're seeing judges play God. This is what they wanted the whole time. Well, we can determine. We, we get to decide for you what's good for you. Stinking dictator. Dude, you will answer to the Lord for this. Matter of fact, Isaiah 10, look it up. Just read it. Isaiah 10, chapter or verse 1. Woe unto them. Damn them who decree unrighteous decrees. He's talking to judges. Yeah. And prescribe grievances for my people. Woe unto you. That's what he says, not me. Those are the words of God, not mine. That came from the... Pro- Dude, I'm telling you... There's something about being in position of leadership, judges, whatever you determine the law, that God looks at and says, oh boy, how did you do that? Us as pastors, leaders, yeah, the way we're held in higher standards, that's why it says be not many teachers, it's be a, not many masters. It's, it's a high responsibility, and people don't, they think there's no responsibility or consequence to it. Well, I can make whatever decision, and whatever I say should be right. Unbelievable. And you know what? Thank you, Italy. Yeah. Thank you, Italy. And and I'll say that. Italy, they've been kind of doing some cool things lately. And Spain, I think, a little bit has been kind of on that champion of family and all this. Thank you 
for wanting to take this child in and agree to pay the expenses that's, and Italian citizenship. That's pretty awesome. And and I'm so grateful that the Prime Minister of Italy is basically like looking at the UK and saying, "Step out of the way and let us do it." Yeah. Since you don't want to do it. Just get out of the way. Let yep. us do it. Yep. Thank you. You just make me all the more want to go travel to Italy just to go spend money there and help your economy yep. as best I can. Yeah. And all my friends with it. You just make me Game want on. to do that. You know. And and I pray that this turns in favor of little Indy. Yeah. Because every life, according to the Lord, is sacred. And you know what, abortionists? That's why. That's why we fight so hard. Every life is valuable in the eyes of God. Every life. And the. the the hospital in Italy has even publicly announced the procedure that they think would help this little girl. Like, hey, we'll do this procedure, and, and we think this will help. So now you have a procedure that Italian doctors are saying, we think this will help. Yeah. Yet you have NHS doctors, the, the UK national health care. Because they know. Oh, no, no, that won't, that won't work. You, no, you can't try it. You know what it is? It's pride. It is pride. It's pride. Totally. It's it's fear that your own healthcare system will be made to look a fool. That's right. If that girl goes to Italy, that's right, and survives and has quality of life. Yeah, that's why it's so awesome. You know, trust the science with Fauci and all them. Yeah, remember that. Yeah. So so now you're seeing people literally die at young ages with blood clots, and because, nobody's even questioning it because they have the emails of covering over all of it because well we can't be made to look bad. Pride. Pride will destroy you and everything in its right. path in order to protect 100%, 100%. itself. 100%. So be praying for Indy. I, I know this comes out on Monday. Yeah, Lord, and we really do bless her. We pray for her and the family. And they, you know, Lord, that you would bless the Italian government um, for even trying to do this. And they're not perfect, Lord, in what country is, but um, just the fact that they would rather save a life and pay for it, that's pretty, pretty awesome, Lord. So we bless them. And, and, you know what I'll do is when the decision or the finality comes out, if it comes out over the weekend, I'll record a quick little clip, clip yeah. and I'll add it to the end of this podcast, and and I'll give an update yeah, on where this cool. situation is cool. at. So, all right. Lord, the, heal her. Amen. Like, yeah, Lord, we want to just see her walk out fully healed. Come on. Let's, Lord, we're praying that your glory makes men look like fools. Yeah, make that judge a laughing stock, Lord. Seriously. Make those doctors a laughing stock, Lord. We pray now healing over Indy that that those parents would walk out with her fully healed, fully responsive, fully healthy. And everybody can point the finger at the evil and wickedness in that government system and the hospital and recognize if we had gone your route we would have destroyed a life. Lord, we just pray now that you be glorified in all of this. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So as a little addition to the story that you just heard, I said I would do an, up, an update, and I am giving you an update. Um, Indy Gregory, they have chosen to take off of life support because of a court ruling. Now, the court, the appeals motion uh failed and that court that heard it decided that the parents were manipulating the legal system to take care of their child and determined that the child must be taken off life support and would not allow the parents to take the child home to allow the child to pass away um there's so much wrong with this story and you obviously saw the vitriol from me personally um, when we didn't know how it was going to end, but sure enough, these judges in the UK decided to ignore the Italian doctors, ignore the Italian government, but most importantly, ignore the parents. And they took the decision out of the parents' hands and put it in their own about what is best for that child. Now, the UK is very much a state of tyranny. It's an authoritative state, a state that believes they own you from cradle to grave, and that your children, your family, your own body is not your own. And this is exactly what happens. Parents 
who wanted to fight for the life of their child were told no. When they had another option or another viable decision that they could make, they were told no. Because the government, quote, didn't think it was in the best uh, best options for the child, the, the best decision for the child, best interest of the child. The, that's the words I'm looking for. If you're a parent, you understand just a sliver of what the absolute helplessness and frustration and sadness and pain and torment this would put you through. And if you read the articles, the judge that had made the final ruling to kill Indy, I'll put it that way, come at me, bro, to kill Indy, the judge turned on the parents and commented about how the parents were trying to use the legal system and tactics and manipulate the legal system. Yeah, how dare you fight for any option for your child. And I hope this judge does not have kids and does not have to ever go through that situation that those parents went through. I know some people would wish horrible things upon this judge, but Lord, I pray that that judge has his eyes open. When we become materialistic in the truest sense, in terms of materialism, not talking about possessions, I'm talking about humanistic, if you want to use those terms, without God, without higher purpose. We don't use spiritual means to weigh out and evaluate situations. And along with that, we don't necessarily use the value of life. We can couch it in that language of quality of life, but it's so interesting that an option was provided and that judge determined what the value of the quality of life for Indy would be. They did make the determination that Indy was feeling pain and that nothing had worked. Ah, I see. So, you care about the child, but not enough to care about the relationship between the parents and their child and to help them endeavor to find some solution. So I'm going to wrap this up because you got a lot more podcasts to watch, but I pray for that family. And this is why we fight for liberty because you should never be told by a court you're, you're fighting too hard for your kid's life. You're, you're not allowed to go after that option to save your child. But isn't it funny that we will fight and bite and scratch for the right to kill our children? This is wicked. Anyways, I wanted to give that update. It's a sad update, but I told you guys I would. I'll go ahead and clip this right into the podcast so you're going to wait till the end of it. But on with the rest of the podcast. Love you guys. On to the main topic. This is something that Massey and I have had conversations about, especially uh, recently. A lot, yeah. And, a lot of conversations, actually. I, I told Massey yesterday, it was like, it was probably, what, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock when I told you this in the afternoon. I was like, I've had no less than four conversations with people today alone about transition and the stirring up that happens in the middle of transition and, and the backbiting and the bitterness and the people coming out of the woodwork. And you reminded me, I forgot you had said this, but on Sunday, what did you say about beef? Oh, yeah. I said, well, if there's beef amongst us, cook it. Ground it up into little patties and make some burgers. Obviously, enough people didn't get that message. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what it is, is it's, 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 it's that... Um, not submitting to Christ mentality. Um, a lot of us, every one of us has that kind of thing in us where the flesh will take over and you have to realize what, what what's important. Like, I'm going to answer to God, not to a man. And do I want bitterness in my heart as something God says, why did you, 
you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm going to stand before my Savior. I'm going to give an account for everything I've done, my works. Um, and if my works were on the wrong foundation, I'm going to have to answer for that stuff. And you think about transition and people going through it. I heard this word months ago, and I talked to Pastor Todd about it. You know, I said, hey, I really feel like this word transition. You know, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And I went through my own stage of this, what this means. And, um, and what, what, what I want to talk about is there was a sermon that was um, told to me to, to look up by Rick Renner. An amazing it, sermon. A great sermon on transition, and it was called Transitional Grace. And what happens is you're in a place for so long, and when God wants to move you either up or out of that situation, so up, I mean, he's sanctifying you to move up in position or up in, in authority or up in thinking or your own sanctification, things in your life that you used to once tolerate become untoleratable. So you start to begin to nitpick things. <laughs> And it's actually, it could be taken two ways. One, uh, you have this judgmental heart, all these other things, which, yes, that's in you. But the other thing is, it's God lifting the grace that you had on that time of your life. So he's moving you out of that place or up in that place. Like, either look up or look out. And you'll know it's looking out when opportunities present themselves that are really good. Mm-hmm. When you look, when there is no opportunity, this is how I took it, when there is no opportunity to go out, there's nothing that was like, okay, there's something out there for me. Oh, I'm going up. So I've got to learn. i got to quit nitpicking. Lord, what am I allowing in my life? And the Bible actually says this. I think it's in Hebrews. Don't quote me on this. But he says, blessed is the man that is not condemned in the thing which he allows. So in other words, I don't want my conscience dictated by the things I allow. So I started to strip away things in my life that didn't matter. And I'll give you one example. There was this men's study we were doing for two years, and it's called Men With No Regrets. Great study. Um, at first, it was a little like, okay, it's just kind of elementary, but I get it. It was for men who are starting off in discipleship. Get everybody caught up to yep. speed. By, yeah. So there's eight books. And by book eight, it was already things that I'd been doing, but I started to look at things that I'm doing differently. So it was about discipleship and you know, ministering the gospel, getting plugged into your church. I'm like, well, I'm kind of the associate. So, and, and I wasn't saying that pridefully. I was saying, um, I already do a lot of the stuff that this book's doing, but it made it more intentional for me. So I started to say, I can't say yes to things anymore that are taking away my time of what God has called me to do. So I remember walking into Pastor Todd's office and I said, I miss ministering, dude. I did this celebration of life for some of my friends. Uh, um, my buddy's uh, sister died. She was only 53 and, and and I got to sit with the family and her coworkers and the parents and... Um, we really talked about her life, and, and of course she was dealing with some stuff, but she was saved. And it was like, okay, I want to focus on, can we speak life into the situation? And everybody that I walked went around the room, like, if you could say one thing to her and to thank her, what would it be? And everybody had these great, like, wow, that was really good. Wow, that was amazing. Wow. You know, I was just thinking of these answers, and I had it all recorded. So I go and do the, the, the celebration of life, and I'm going through it. Like, am I supposed to, it, it, you know, what, what's going on, Lord? I'm, I'm getting nitpicky. I don't like it. I'm getting frustrated. What's going on? And then all of a sudden, I realize when I do that celebration of life was the first time I had really preached in a long time. Because on Wednesday nights, I usually preach, but the last year or so, I'm saying full year, not mm-hmm. just this year, but by about full year and a few months, I've been allowing other preachers to come in just to raise them up and, like, teach and train the best I can and kind of figure out who can preach and teach and all those things. And I've been kind of sitting in the sidelines, which I'm good with. I was never, you know, I mean, I've never been out for a position. I don't care about that. And so when I preached, though, um, I got off my notes. And what was so unique about that situation, Pastor Todd actually was like, I don't need to help you, man. You got it. Like, you don't, I don't, you're good. You already know what you're doing. So it was really cool. He just kind of let me be, because he usually does those. They wanted me to do it and say, so did it. And so I'm preaching. I get off my notes and I'm just preaching from my heart. And then when I got done, there was a gentleman that walked up. He was in tears, and he's like, man, I'm one of those guys that's kind of like, I don't know if God exists, but you really made me think about some things today. And I said, listen, man. And I just started to read him, you know, prophetically, started to see into his life a little bit. And I said, the, the crazy thing is God has seen you from the beginning, and you've rejected his will. And so now these situations and circumstances have made you open your eyes. You need Jesus, bro. So we started walking through it. He got saved. And then he got baptized. We were just like, you know, in the Holy Ghost, we were just talking. And my buddy, whose sister died, he goes, hey, people are getting saved over here. Who else wants to get saved? He just yelled it. And this other guy, it works for him. He goes, I-, I do. And it was awesome. So he got saved, you know. And dude, I was on cloud nine. I realized, man, I've been complicating all this. 
and I talked about this with when I was with Carrie on the podcast, but the, the, the word transition, I'm, I'm getting to a point here. I realized my transition was going up. It wasn't anything else. It was me getting out of places that I didn't need to be in and doing what I'm called to do. And I'm called to minister the gospel, bro. I'm called to preach to people. I'm called to lay hands on people. That is my, my, my thing. I don't know if I'm called to run a church. I'm called to help run a church. I'm called to help Pastor Todd. I'm called to help our, our ministers. I'm called to help the elders. But I don't know if I'm ever, I, I don't know if I'm called yet to run a church. I, I don't think that's me. I don't think I'm, I'm called to that. And, I, and I've said that to Pastor Todd before. But then we also minister in self-evident, you know, and that's, that's another thing that I love to do is just going out and ministering to people, giving them our hearts, you know. But the, 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 my transition was going up. Others are experiencing a transition out. And the problem is, what happens is if you stay past the point that God is telling you to stay, and I'm talking about even if you go up, if you stay in your muck that you're now getting frustrated with, it's going to cause you more heartache, more problems, and it's no longer a Band-Aid. It's like putting cement on your arms, and it's harder and harder and harder to rip off. And actually what happens is you start to become that mentality. You start to become judgmental. You start to become uh, backbiting. You start to become, you start to sow seeds of division without even knowing it because you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. And you need to do that in the situation. And, and it is true, man. We've been hearing... We've been hearing a lot of stories lately, and I want you to, you know, I'm just taking over here. I don't want to do that. No, it's all good. Um, we've been hearing a lot of stories lately about this, uh, people getting on each other and stuff like that. And it's like, I told the lady yesterday, I said, I just see people that are going to stay, people that are going to go, people are going to go up. Nothing should shock us at this yep. point, and we need to be okay with that because it's transition. And that's that's something that we're noticing in our own right. realm of right. life is like there's a massive transition going on. Um, and... What happens is if people aren't really careful, they're going to get pulled into division and yeah. pulled in. And it's so funny because he and I were, were just kind of sharing notes. And to a T, like I said, at least four conversations where people came to me like, all of a sudden, all of these people are coming out of the woodwork backbiting and, and <laughs> pointing the finger and criticizing me. And what's yeah, going man, on? I like, said, because it's transition. It is transition, and you have to be okay with that. And don't confuse transition with your flesh. Right. Don't confuse that. Transition truly is a spiritual thing where you know in your heart, okay, something's going on spiritually, and I've become this. There are some of you who just walk in the flesh and need to kill that, crucify that thing. So don't confuse that. And you'll know, it's, you'll know when it's transitional grace or transitional move when God is showing you things in that season of what you need to get rid of or leave. Yes. And you're paying attention to that. You're in deep prayer about it. You're, you're, you're seeking the Lord on it. You have good counsel in your corner and saying, hey, man, this is what I'm seeing. What do you think? And um, if you're backbiting, you won't seek counsel. You'll just be secluded by yourself on your little computer, nitpicking everybody. That's, not, that's just your flesh. That's stupid, right? Healthy people in transition, though, know the voice of God, and they're like, you know what? It's time for me to move on. And I want to get to that point. If that's what that is, like moving up, you know, I should have been more astute and I wasn't. And it, and it hurt me a little bit. Like I, I screwed up, had some wrong conversations and did things wrong. But I think too, God has mercy. You know, he had mercy on me for that. So I think if you, if you want more information on this, I'm not ending it, but I'm just saying, if you want more information, we did a thing about discerning the seasons, go watch that. Transitions, what is it? It's a transition from one season to the other. Yep. And I think you just pointed out something really major is like when that transition happens, when when a season's coming to a close and another season's opening, I think the vast majority of times there is a consecration that happens. There's There's a consecration that happens with your heart, with your spiritual walk, with what the Lord is doing in you. Right. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to end up pointing that that the gun the the gun at somebody else. It's somebody else's fault. It's something else going on in somebody. You That's know what awesome. I mean? This is so good. Your your ammunition, your weapons of warfare, should never be pointed at a person. Ooh. Only the enemy. And you, man, thank you, Lord. When you start pointing your guns at people, you know you're in the flesh about it. Because even Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan." I get behind me, Peter. That was so pivotal. Pastor Todd preached that once years ago. It was probably four or five years ago, maybe. 
that was so pivotal for me to hear because a lot of the times we'll point our guns at people, our weapons of warfare at people. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. This isn't about flesh and blood here. This is about spiritual things. This is about us walking in the kingdom of God. And your seasons should be about advancing the kingdom of God. Whether that means you're moving up in position or out of a place, it should always be, Lord, what is the kingdom needed at this moment? And how? what is my role in fulfilling that kingdom mindset? If you're truly focused on the kingdom, it won't become personal. It'll become relational because you, you want people to build a kingdom. So if people leave, okay, let's bless them. Let's get them on their way. Let's get them moving. This is about the kingdom of God. If they need to leave, then let them go build the kingdom of God and not judge that. The only thing I'll say to you is this. You better make sure if you're moving on that you have good fruit that you're leaving behind. No bitterness, no seeds of division, none of that crap. Because if you carry that stuff, you'll go into the next season of your life sowing those same seeds, the things you complained about, all these other things. That's where I think I get hung up. It's like, don't leave hurt. Don't leave wounded. Don't leave all these things. Make sure that stuff's cleaned up. I said this to my wife yesterday. I was actually crying about it. I kind of felt like a a pansy about it, but I wasn't trying to be. I don't know why it's so hard for people to talk to one another and confront each other on sin or bitterness or anger or frustration. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand why it's so difficult for people to just confront things. And and it's I've said this in a sermon. I, I love confrontation. I do. I love contention. I'll tell you why, because it it what it does is I can sharpen my iron. It shows me that you actually care about your position enough to talk to me about it. And we may not agree, or we may come to an agreement, but at least we had the talk. You know what that does? It builds a trust in me and you. I know you're willing to go the distance with me. So even if we don't agree on everything, we went the distance with one another. I can jive with you, right? <clears throat> I don't get how people can't confront things. I don't get how people can sit silent when there's frustration, bitterness, anger, resentment, all these other things, and just walk in it. I don't get how people can be like, well, they just understand what I'm feeling because through osmosis, they're somehow going to telepathically get what I'm thinking about them. Uh, to me, to me, that is cowardice, and you're holding on to sin in your life. That you can't, you can't go to your neighbor and say, this is what is offending me right now. Or I went to prayer about this, I did something wrong here. And I think that's what bothers me about the modern Christianity we have. People are unwilling to talk to each other and say, hey, look, this is an issue for me. Or I thought you were the issue, but it's actually me right now, and I need to repent of my sin. You're up, we're up, there's obviously an offense here, and I want to repent of my part of this. And why, why people don't do that is beyond me. I don't understand that. The other part of it is the vast majority of those complaints, those bitternesses, those problems, they're not the actual issue. That's right. And so we, we, we marinate in those things and we decide, well, this is the biggest issue. No, it's not. It's you're holding on to bitterness and you haven't let go of it. Truth. And I was telling somebody yesterday... The, the deeper you go in spiritual maturity, and I mean real spiritual maturity. Right. I'm not just talking about, oh, I fell out yesterday, so I must be spiritually mer- mature. No, you're just having experience. Spiritually mature people will set aside the offense, set aside the bitterness, set aside the event, and they'll look at the person at their heart, and they'll go, what's going on spiritually? Bingo. Not a, this person has a spirit of Jezebel in them. What's going on in them? Why, why are they attacking me? Why do they have a bitterness against me? Why do I feel the need to go to them and criticize A, B, or C and pour myself out about right. that? What's wrong in me, right? So a spiritually right. mature person who's not walking by the flesh but walks by the Spirit, they will become introspective in terms of weighing out, right. okay, why do I feel this? Right. Is this actually the issue, or is there something else going Bingo. on? Or they'll see word. in somebody else... That's not the issue. Right. What's going on at the right. at the heart of it? And they'll love the person through right. it. And even if there is a forward spirit or the Jezebel, whatever you want to call it, the forward, there's if there's something forward about them. Instead of just saying, Nope, I can't associate with that because that's a Jezebel or whatever you want to call it, why don't you just go talk to the person and say, dude, this is what I'm feeling from you? That you're 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 crossing lines, bro. You ever, what's what's you you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Why not just go confront see, back in the time of Jezebel, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit now. So the Holy Spirit will open the opportunity to go do those things, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit over everything, even demonic ones. And you ever notice that? That should be the limits. It's a useful label. It's nothing more. When was was the last time you heard somebody say, oh, so-and-so has a spirit of Jezebel? 
I want to disciple her. Thank you. Never happens. Thank you. Never happens. It becomes a I want to pray quarantine. for them. Yep. That's it. It's a quarantine. Oh, she's she's got shove to, them to the corner. We got to push this person aside because they have the spirit of judgment. You've just labeled them so that you don't have to work with them. <laughs> Sorry, did that get raw? <laughs> that's that's what Girl, we do. Listen, that right there will preach. So what it does is let's label so we don't have to get dirty. So we don't have to disciple. I don't want to do that, dude. It's it's I don't want to so do that. dangerous because and it it dude, it's a you want to talk about dog whistles? If I go to you and I say so and so has a spirit of Jezebel. Do you see all the damage I've just done in that dog whistle? Because what does that dog whistle say? Oh, be careful. Oh, right. Be careful of so-and-so. Yep. I've just created barrier, not just between me and, and it, Jezebel dude. spirit person A. Nailed I've it. now drawn you into Tro- looking totally. at her differently. Or him. Bro. Men can carry it too, I guess. But but like I'm I'm creating a contagion of gossip through spiritual means, quote-unquote spiritual means, spiritual terms. So dangerous, because I don't ever have to interact with person A. All I got to do is say, Massey, you better watch out for so-and-so. They have a spirit of Jezebel. Right. So so in the pursuit of saying they have the Jezebel whatever, or just a forwardness. Or, or they, and we're just going with this example. They're a gossip, or they, they're carrying bitterness, or the whatever. End, the end of Jezebel was death and, and destruction. Is that what the Spirit of God is for for people? If they do, why don't you go pray for them in their deliverance? Why don't right. you walk with them? Why don't you say, hey, we need, to, we need to address this. We need to get you into some healing. You know, that kind of thing. Why don't we need to disciple you? It almost gives us the creative out to say we don't have to do that and put you in an arm's distance. And then we will justify ourselves in pride and saying, you know what? I just discerned, I it. I discerned it well. Yeah, you maybe have discerned where they were at that time, but thank you, Jesus, for redemption. Because I was a terrible leader for a long time, for, for I should say for a while, right? And God redeemed me from that. I don't want to do that to people. I was judgmental. I was, uh, I was a jerk. Uh, the things I did were wrong. The things I said were wrong. The way I preached the gospel was wrong. The way I did some of my sermons were wrong. Uh, the way, uh, you know, me and Carrie would get into arguments was wrong. But thank God for his mercy and deliverance. Thank he, God. He didn't quarantine He didn't you. quarantine me. He didn't tell me, you're too far gone, kiddo. You're too far gone. Sorry. No, 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 no. He that has the Spirit has life. He that has the Spirit has life. And I think more and more we'll sit here and make excuses why we can't reach people. And all you're doing is pulling away the gift of faith from your life because you're not going to be willing to see someone transform. And in our hearts, we have to be careful of doing that. And I think transition uh, will bring out the worst in you yes, and the best in you. Yes. The, it'll bring out the worst because it'll show you are, you, are you actually hearing the voice of God or are you prolonging your own frustrations? So are you really walking with God that closely? Are you, are you really spending that time with God to hear that transition up or out? But the second thing it reveals is are you having the temperaments of the character of the fruit of the Spirit? Are you walking in those things? Even if you're getting frustrated, it's like, no, Lord, just what, what, what do I do? How do I lay myself down? How do I crucify my flesh? What do I got to do? But And then there's a third thing. It also reveals the best in you. Are you willing to forego your position, leave off those things that don't matter, and move up? Am I willing to say, nope, I can't do that anymore? Uh, and, and whether it offends them or not, I have to move up now, right? You have to get to that point in your heart where you're willing to submit to the voice of God. If you're not... You're just going to, it's a world of hurt. I wish Rick, Pastor Rick Evans was here. He actually said that once. He said when he was in his church, he, the Lord told him to give, leave a year prior. That whole year was miserable. He said, dude, I'd have saved myself a lot of heartache if I'd have just left when the Lord told me. Yeah. You know, but he didn't. And he learned his lesson, you know. And so it's that transitional grace. The things was, it was lifting from him to actually do that position. And uh, it's, just a, it's just something just to be careful of. Um, walk it out. And, and watch... The backbiting, the bitterness, the criticism, yes. both towards you and what you're giving out, and you become if, criti- cr- critical towards leaders too. Oh, dude, that's the that's, open door. That's that's the open door, man. I get home, I'm telling Melissa about such and such, and all this stuff that was, you know, just kind of sharing. Like, 
I'm having all these conversations with people. And then she tells me about like two more conversations she had just had with various people who are criticizing the church and criticizing people. And it's like, and, and I, I went off a little bit because it's, cause <laughs> it's I, easy to I, do, I, dude. Because my point was, I, I was sitting at lunch with Seth and Mike, and we were kind of talking about this, of, of there's a lot of stuff going on, right? And the hard part is, and, and I say this in love, but I, it's going to be a blunt correction. So many of us have criticisms of the church, but we've never actually sat on the inside of what's going on. That's ex- thank you. We've we've decided that the church is is Christ's bride, and I think we forget that it's a bunch of human beings that are in this spiritual institution. True. We're flawed people, and we're trying to make it work. So what you get are these people who sit in the seats on Sunday, just like you're saying, right? Like armchair quarterbacking. What they do is they look at everything that's that the church is doing. They decide their thing that they don't like about what the church is doing. But the problem is they've never actually been on the inside. Maybe you've volunteered for one of the ministries or whatever, but you've never been on the inside and making decisions that other yeah. people are going to question. So you have no idea. You have no idea what's going on in a, in, in a leader's heart to make this decision. Right. And I told Melissa, I was like, if you got all these people into a room— they would all have their complaints, and they would all disagree with each other. One would say there's too much spiritual stuff going on. One would say not enough. One would say too much charismatic. Another would say not enough charismatic. Then one would say they're too legalistic. The other one would say they're too full of grace, right? Like, you get all these people in a room, and all of their criticisms are actually going to be their own heart posture and so often their own offenses. Yep. They portray and and place upon their own offenses onto the institution yep. and onto <clears throat> the yep. situation. We yep. take our life experience, yep. and then we filter it all through that. And then we decide we're righteous and we're right about it because, well, we just want to see the best for the church. My question for you is, could you step over your disagreement and trust the Lord with what he's doing with your leadership? Right. Can you can you actually have a heart for your leadership and know they're a human being that is trying to be faithful to the Lord? Because you know you're trying to be faithful to the Lord. It's just like when you're driving. Oh, I'm 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 sorry I cut you off. I didn't mean to. Yep. But then as soon as somebody cuts you, Dad, I can't believe how dare Bro, you hold so much grace for yourself. That's right. Why not extend that? to the people that you're so ready to point the finger at that they're just getting it wrong, they're not hearing from the Lord, there's not enough Holy Spirit. Where's that coming from? Yeah, I think I we all... And we all do it. You and I have learned, though, and I pray we've learned it well. We should round this out, but like, yeah. um, we learned to quit being critical of leaders when we became them. You, your mouth closes real fast when you realize how hard decisions are. Yeah. And how quickly yeah. somebody will come yeah. aside you and say, that's wrong. Why are you doing once, it that way? Once we realized the callings of different churches, too, I think that really shut my mouth. Um, some churches are called to be that driving, governmental, territory-shaking, apostolic, if you will, church. Some of them are called to be evangelistic. They're not going to hit the issues you would hit. So you just learn. Some of them are going to be more pastoral. Some are going to be more teacher-oriented. And when you realize that's their gifting and anointing, you you shut up about them because it's like, you know, they're not going to, some of their congregation will get involved and that's who we champion. And, you know, but if that dude's truly just a, a teacher, he's not going to do what the apostle does. He's not going to do like in that anointing. And so you start to become less critical when you understand people's giftings and, and, and their, and their callings, you become less critical because you're like, well, of course he doesn't do that. Of course yeah. they, of course they do that. You know, let's, let's put revive as the example. Cause Plenty of our listeners go to Revive, but plenty of our listeners don't, but they know they, they have a idea of who an idea of Revive, right? So Revive is very apostolic, right? So we're we're very territorial, territorial governmental. We, exactly. We build programs that we want to be able to provide to other churches because we're also a discipleship. Like I, I was thinking about this. Todd is very Pastor Todd, I apologize. Very apostolic, very teacher oriented. Yep. What does a teacher do? They're a discipler. Yeah. They, they, they disciple. So, so many of our programs, our focus tends to be build a discipleship style program or to disciple an aspect and then provide it to other churches. Yep. We take territory. So what does our worship tend to look like? Declarative. That's right. 
So people look at our worship, they look at our programs, they go, well, you're not, you're not sending people out the right way, or you're not evangelizing the right way, or you're not sharing the gospel the right way. Not our mission. And then people look at the worship and they go, well, you're not sitting in the presence enough. We're not a prophetic ministry. We're not a prophetic church. We, we have a strong prophetic in us. And we have an aspect of it. And that. we have an aspect of it, but that's not our calling. Our that's calling right. is not a prophetic ministry. So our worship is not going to be deep in the secret place in the presence of God. All that We're declarative. We're, we're the war trumpets going forward to take territory. So if you try to put this, this view or this calling onto the church that doesn't belong there, it's always going to look off to you. And we get people that they look at the programs or they look at the, the intake or they look at the worship or they look at the kids program. Well, you're not doing it right. No, we're not doing it the way that you think the model should be. Right. And if that's your calling, that's what you feel deeply invested to. Do not leave with bitterness. Leave with blessing in the sense of bless the church and say, I see where your guys' mission is. I realize my mission is with that church because that church is going the direction that I feel called to go. All of a sudden, it becomes a split of... of the, the directions, but a right. bless you when you're over right. in, in Asia Minor. Hey, bless you when you're in North Africa, yeah. right? Like you're going two different ways, but you can still bless each other. But so That's often exactly we it. take it on as a hurt or a they're not doing it right because this is how I picture not your vision, right? And, and if you are part of another church, if you run another church, you got to get this nailed down of what is the direction, the purpose, and the vision of your church, because everything else, if you're doing it in a healthy way, is going to line up and support that. If you're not doing it in a healthy way, you're going to get worship that's like over here, and yeah. you're going to get a, a program over here that kind of does this, and then the vision is almost here, and everybody's going to be looking at each other going, where the heck are we going? That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. And, and you know, I can't even add to that. That's something I wish I had talked about in the last few sermons, um, and I can't add it to this one, so I'll maybe talk about it later, was just understanding callings, you know, understanding what the churches are. And I, I wish I could have, but it, it had nothing to do with, it had everything to do with honor, so... Guys, we love you. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. Thank you, Energy Ops, for sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> ah, we forgot. Yeah, but we didn't because we love you. So we'll clip that on or something. <laughs> yeah, something. We'll do something. We love you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, thank you for waking up with us on Monday morning. Hopefully, you got some good lunch out of this uh, lunchtime. And uh, just just keep praying for our nation. Keep praying for its leaders. Uh, keep praying for our churches. Uh, there's just so much to pray for. In chaos, though, God is the only fixed standard, and that's what I love is I can run to God and everything is centered in my life because he is the center. Amen. He's everything, you know, and Jesus saved my life. Holy Spirit leads me, so, uh, and it should be that way for you. And so trust in him, trust in what he's called you to do, and move forward. In Jesus' name, we love you guys. We'll see you Friday. Love you guys.